Welcome on in to the Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Matt Lowell, the Managing Editor of Golf Course Industry Magazine, and you are listening to Episode 32 of Off the Course, the podcast where golf course superintendents and other turf pros talk about literally anything other than their job. My guest today is Mike LeCavalier, the former superintendent at Kahnawake Golf Club outside Montreal in Quebec, and he's somebody I've wanted to talk with for probably more than a year. His weightlifting and workout photos started popping up in my Twitter timeline a while ago, and I thought, well, let's talk about that. And then I learned more and more about him, about his alcoholism and his recovery and his caring for his parents at the end of their lives, and more recently, his retirement from everyday turf maintenance. And we talk about all that. We do talk about happy things, but the first 15 or 20 minutes of our conversation are about alcoholism, and there is some dark talk. And if that's something that bothers you, um, it's probably best that, that you skip ahead. That said, if you are struggling with alcoholism or addiction, Mike wants you to know that you can reach out to him directly. He's on Twitter, at Anthracnos, great handle, and he is happy to talk. In addition, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline is staffed 24-7, 365. That number is 1-800-662-HELP. Again, that's 1-800-662-4357. And the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is also available 24-7, 365 here in the U.S. And you dial 988. Before you hear from Mike, a quick word from the sponsor of Off the Course, and that is AquaAid Solutions. The mythical Excalibur might just be the most famous fictional sword, immortalized in Arthurian stories and, of course, sheathed in stone. The modern Excalibur is the new next-generation rapid-response soil surfactant from AquaAid Solutions. Excalibur delivers rapid infiltration and consistent dry-down and It helps your turf achieve both consistent hydration and superior rehydration. All you need is four ounces for every thousand square feet for your initial application early in the growing season, and then either an ounce and a half or two ounces every 12 to 14 days, or three to four ounces every 28 to 30 days, along with at least an eighth of an inch of water to deliver Excalibur to the soil profile. If your course is anything like we are here, Recently, you've had plenty of rain. For best results, use Excalibur over a full-season program, not just when signs and symptoms of water repellency and turf grass stress start to appear and make your turf uh, less than ideal. For more information about Excalibur, check out AquaAid Solutions at www.aquaaidsolutions.com. You can find them on Twitter at solutions for turf That's solutions the number four, turf. Michael Cavalier, after the break. Mike, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for hosting and listening to uh, my little life story, I guess, that's hopefully not over yet, <laughs> for a while. 
Well, everybody has a good story. You have, a, I think, a great one. And before we get in, we'll talk about this more later, but you just got back. You retired earlier this year. You just got back from your first day at a new job, and of course it's on a golf course. You know nothing else right now, so congrats on that. Yeah, thanks. It was my first day back and uh, uh, working. Uh, just, you know, I, I, I retired July 14th, or 12th or 14th was my last day at, at Kanawaki. That was my 16th year at Kanawaki. And um, I decided for many reasons why I decided it was the right time to retire at that point. And uh, the last few months, I mean, I've been traveling a bit. I did some volunteering work at a golf course. And then last week, I was just getting so restless at home that I just called a friend up and went over to see him. And I just want to help out some part-time just to break up the day a little bit and and uh, keep me active and moving and keep my brain moving, you know. I'm just sitting around. I'm just going to think too much. And with my issues and my life, uh, sitting around and thinking a lot is not a good thing. You've moved from one area of golf course labor to another, from superintendent now to the retiree who's coming in a few days a week to help out the crew. <laughs> yeah, thank uh, it's uh, it felt good today. I was a little actually I was a bit nervous saying, "What am I doing the right thing here? Do I really need to to start well, a job uh, again?" And no, it felt very good and I felt very uh, comfortable out there. And it is my my home, you know. It's where I've been my whole life pretty well on a golf course. So, it felt very comfortable and training is easy for them. <laughs> oh, I did some I I changed holes today. That was fun. That was good. <laughs> What am I going to do next there? I don't know. Uh, they're, they're all, they're, I'm, I'm there to help do whatever it is until, you know, put the course to bed into November and, and then shut it down and just start my traveling again or whatever, you know? Awesome. I'm sure a lot of folks know you from social media, and you've gone a little quiet lately, but on September 15th, you posted on your Twitter and also on your Instagram, your Twitter handle, by the way, Anthracnos. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> Rocking a tank top. You've got a shark on your shirt, and you've got a shark tooth around your neck, and you're holding a sheet of paper. And that sheet of paper, to me, and I'm sure to a lot of other people, uh, impressive as heck, the words on that paper, 1,591 days sober. So before anything else, congratulations on that. I know we're over 1,600 days now, but uh, one day at a time, and, and congratulations. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, probably about four and a half, getting close to four and a half years of uh, sober of uh, alcohol and other things, too. So. Uh, my main battle was uh, was alcohol. It's always been a battle for me, and uh, thankfully, 1,609 days ago, uh, I asked for help. <laughs> you know, I just I just I, I, I hit rock bottom. It was the start of springtime, start of the season. You have a lot of winter. Winter we're off a lot, so a lot of free time to to do good things or not so good things. And I tended to choose a lot of not so good things many many times and many many years. And I just came to a point where this is enough. And uh, I looked in the mirror and said, you know, literally told myself, Mike, I am an alcoholic and I need help. And that's exactly what I said. And I'll never forget that. It gives me goosebumps just talking about it right now with you because I don't usually talk about a lot with it. Not because I'm embarrassed, just people don't ask you to talk about it much. So I, you know, I don't want to be a preacher and and, and be that, that type of person either, you know. If people want to hear me talk about it, great. If not, that's okay. So it's, uh, it's been a great ride, and, uh, and I have no issues with it uh, today. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm sober, and I don't think I'll ever have to worry about that again. But you always have to be, be aware and, uh, and remind yourself the consequences. Right. It's 
every single day. Today is sixteen oh nine. Tomorrow is sixteen ten, and and That's just it. just remember that number. That's all. You know, I don't get too wrapped up on the number. It's just a, a number I put it on the calendar just as a reminder, and it gives me a smile on my face when I write that number down, just to say, hey, uh, it's you know, it's another ad. It's it's not going to be zero. You know, I just say, oh, I hope that that never goes to zero 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 again, and I got to go to one. Uh, it happens to many. And I don't really want to go there because I think if I if I started again, it would just be disastrous, disastrous. You talked earlier this year on another industry podcast, the TurfNet Me Maintenance podcast, about your alcoholism yeah. and your recovery. And I'm listening to the the interview, and I started to think that you really started drinking. And, and drinking, I'm guessing, fairly heavily before you started working in the industry. So working as a functioning alcoholic was, was really the only way you knew how to work. Is that right? Yeah, I would say I, I don't I think it ramped up. Uh, I mean, in this type of addiction, you, it, it just it ends up just starting as a kid. You just you're just going out to have some beers with the boys, mm-hmm. right? Have some fun. And, and, and you go into college and it's uh, pub night. And, and, you know, you, there's a lot of alcohol associated with a lot of the stuff that I was involved with uh and uh golf was a big part of it with the shows and everything but it just it just built up over the years you know friday night turned you know it was a weekend of partying that's what it was and it just built up built up and the, and and then it just got worse and worse and worse and i started to self-isolate i didn't start going out anymore i would just stay at the house and just drink my sorrows away you know after a day of work or something so i started isolating and that's when it got dangerous and that's what happens a lot to, to most uh, people that suffer i can't speak for everybody but only myself but you tend to isolate and just you know pound them back at home type of thing you don't want to be around anybody and you just become functioning yes but again uh you know how i pulled it off uh, is 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 miraculous because you know some of the states i would i'd be in we're not very we're not very good you know so you're always in a recovery mode you're either looking for the next party uh recovering from that party or uh you know ready to start again and that's that's basically what how it went and over years and years and years but it didn't start that way no it just started as mike going out to have a good time you know and it just built and built and built and it just became uh part of my daily activity was to you know not at work but at, at home at once the day was over boom just pound them back uh, and why you know it just it just got ugly and dark very dark it wasn't fun anymore it does it's, it's not going out with the boys and having fun it's just really really dark deep awful place and thankfully uh, I'm, I'm past that and i never want to go back there again for anybody who's listening to this who may maybe not maybe not an alcoholic but maybe an alcoholic uh and and working in this industry it is such a demanding job in hours in terms of trying to balance a crew of anywhere from a few people up to 20 30 40 people at, at bigger clubs i know you you kind of said i have no idea how i did it but i mean looking back do you ever think well this is how i managed to plan out what you know 12 or 15 or 18 people were going to do this is how i managed to get around the course in a cart this is how i did x y z or is it just this this is past me now. I don't want to think about this. No, uh, it, it was you know become you become I'm not sure how to explain it, but it's, it's you just get really good at uh, not you, you got to hide it right because mm-hmm. you're, you're not it's not 
<laughs> what you're doing is not good. You're coming in hungover. You're not straight. If you somehow manage to pull it off, you just become good at, at being sneaky and you, and you your lies and you become selfish. But, you know, you, I pulled it off anyways at high-end golf courses and, and construction and and, and it really started, once I started at Kanawaki, it, it, it just started to magnify itself. I wasn't that bad at other places, but I was still a drinker, you know. I would still consume a lot, but it wasn't, you know, all the time. It just escalated as I got older and older. And, and uh, you know, my previous stints at Supers, it wasn't like that at all. It just really escalated the last 15 years. and. You know, I became separated, and at that time, and I was living alone. I was moving away, uh, big high pressure jobs. Yeah, so it, that's how I dealt with it. And uh, yeah, it's difficult to talk about because this is why I really didn't want to come out and talk about it too much because I don't want people thinking I was just drunk all the time at the golf course and being a no. It wasn't. It wasn't that. That's what I'm uncomfortable with talking about. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, it, it's tough, but. You know, it's important to, to to tell guys and girls out there that are battling that, hey, there is solutions, there is help, you don't have to do it alone, and your life is going to be, it's just, it's so much better now. It's just, it's just fun to, to, to wake up now, and it's fun to, you know, i got new things going on, and I, I wouldn't be able to do that with without being sober now. I know I'm getting off topic there, but... No, not at all. Um, that's how I feel about it, and, and um, you know, it's, it's still uncomfortable coming out to talk about it like this, because I don't do it a lot, but it's important for my growth as well to, to talk to you and share it with people, and if there's anybody, list, you know, when they do listen to this, there's someone that, you know, if you're really battling and you need to call me, just just call me, just send me a message, you don't have to, you know, we're not here to, to be out on social media to tell about all our issues, that's not what it's about, but in private, you know, call somebody you know that you can trust or, or call someone that's gone through it like me. And uh, I'm not going to, you know, it's, it's up to you. It's up to you to admit it. And say, and as soon as you understand that you need help, and I think I am, well, are you or aren't you an alcoholic? you got to figure that out first, right? <laughs> and most people that think they aren't usually are. <laughs> if you're asking yourself a question, it's, it's a good first question. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a question that you have to really check yourself on it. And, hey, I didn't for years. People told me that for years. Mike, you, I, I knew that. Well, you know, but they don't want to jump into your business. You know, Mike's just having a good time. That was that was me. Mike was the party guy, you know, and uh, not, not anymore. <laughs> I think so. Well, different kind of party, and we'll get into uh, what you're doing now, a lot of, lot of uh, weightlifting, a lot of body... Yeah body sculpting. We'll get into a lot of the positives. Uh, I am curious, though, uh, one of the things that you mentioned was you were really good at hiding it, and you said you never even really had alcohol on the grounds. You, you basically no. separated after-hours party mic with it's, it's work time, let's focus mic, and it almost feels like that would be even more dangerous. Uh, I've not gone through 12 steps. I, I don't know every everything about the, the AA program, but it almost feels like it would be a little more dangerous to have those two different personas where you you flip the switch and okay now it's go time now it's now it's not go time did it, was, did it feel dangerous did it feel like you were living two different lives 
Yeah, not not in that moment because when when you're when I'm drinking, you're, my mind is not clear. It's always you know it's always scattered because you're in recovering, you're you're still hungover, you're 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 recovering, or you're looking for the next party. So my adrenaline was constantly going. So I didn't I didn't clue into that that holy holy smokes here, um, what are you doing? No, you don't. But as you later on, once you once you start realizing holy that, that this is this has got to stop because I've tried it a few times before. I tried to stop drinking, and then I went back to it again. You know, so I wasn't ready, just wasn't ready. Um, so I, I I'm not sure. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I I. I I just was able to, to, to flip the switch, and uh, I don't know if it was more dangerous that way or not, but it certainly could have been. I, I, I could have been fired. I, I could have been let go for, for that type of thing. I don't know. That's why I'm uncomfortable talking about it. Uh, but, you know, I'm not the only one and the first one to be like that. So if there's someone out there again that, that is doing the same thing, and most of us are the same. We just hide it. We just hide it. We're pros at it. We're, we're very manipulative. We're very good at this stuff. You know, and I've heard a lot of stories from people. I, I am not in an AA program now. I started off as in one when I first needed help. Thankfully, uh, I hooked up with someone in the, in the business that was that I had no idea. So you'd be surprised as well out there when you do ask for help to to to, to people that really care about you. They'll lead you to somebody that they know that that will probably has ex- experienced AA or some kind of help program to get you going at least because if you try to do it on your own at the beginning your mind is such a mess and you're so screwed up and you're so dark and you're so down that you, you, you need help and that AA did help me in the beginning big time and uh, I felt just later on that I, I, I was okay with without it and uh, I've, I've been I'm not even on any programs or nothing anymore I just you know nothing uh, is it am I doing the wrong thing I don't think so but I, I just I'm fine uh, being sober like this, and I'm not a dry drunk either. I'm, I'm very content not drinking. I have I'll have alcohol in my house for guests. I go to all-inclusive resorts for traveling. I have no problems with that. And when I have enough, when I see enough nonsense, I just walk away. It's perfect. There's something to be said for being in your late 50s and having that life experience too, where where you've got this moment of not zen, but maybe at least some clarity. Where I don't need this. I'm I'm too old for this now. Yeah, no, that just you know it was just it was you're gonna die or 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 what do you want to do? You know you want to die or you want to you want to live. It, that's what it is. That's what it was coming to. I mean, uh, you know, and without and and my and losing my mom and dad and my sister in the last you know 14 months, they all passed away before my retirement. That was part of my plan to retire was to spend more time with my mom, and you know three days later she was gone after I announced my retirement. So, and then my sister passed away two weeks after that. So I lost all three of my family members within 14 months. But if I wasn't sober, I'll tell you, uh, there's no way I've been able to take care of my mom and my dad the way I did to make sure they were comfortable and at peace uh, during their uh, sicknesses. And I, I was there by their side right to the end. And uh, thank, thank goodness for being sober. And that's the biggest gift I gave myself was, was being able to take care of my mom and dad. You know, so that was part of the reason for for me wanting to retire. You know, I mean, this this interview could go on for days, but <laughs> there's so much that went on uh, through, through this whole process, and that's why I might tend to wander off sometimes. But uh, there's a lot to say. <laughs> How have you handled 
losing the three people, probably the three people you love most in this world in, in such a short period of time. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, my sister, she, she chose her own, uh, her own path of life, but she's still my sister, you know, she, she, uh, but, uh, it's, it's, it's still tough. I mean, every moment I'm still, you know, miss them. I was close to my mom and dad, uh, but I was lucky that I was, you know, I just go, I was grateful. I mean, I was lucky I had a mom and dad for 58 years, you know, uh, and that's how I, that's how I manage. I'm grateful for them. It was a cool run. We did a lot of stuff together. I have no regrets. And guess what? We're all going there. So uh, I was able to, to comfort them uh, right to the last breath. It was, it was an amazing experience. I grew up a lot and became more of a man uh, experiencing this, even though it was horrible. Uh, you come out of it better. Uh, it's amazing. It was an amazing experience, actually, uh, even though it sucked. <laughs> and you tweeted a little bit about both of them and... and... I'm sure there's a lot more to that story. You said you could talk for days. What, what stories, if anything, do you want to share about your parents? Anything that you want to share about them? Well, you just uh, what was neat about one main thing that, that I noticed during this whole thing is, is my dad passed away. He was the first one to pass, and he ended up in palliative care uh, to, to be comfort. But you know, we, we, we became closer. I mean, I was losing my dad. And I was getting closer to him during the whole process because he was a military fellow. And, you know, saying I love you and, and hugging you, that, that, just, that just didn't happen. And that's okay, right? I knew he did, obviously, but it's just you know, that part. So, but I got to really get close and just touching him and, you know, washing him and cleaning his hair and, and give him hugs. He, he, you could just see him, so his eyes light up, you know, and he loved it. So that was cool because I knew he was loving it. So that was his way of saying, man, thanks, you're stepping up. You know, and I did step up. I stepped up for my parents because they did everything for me. So I stepped up and did what I'm responsible for. Uh, that was a big thing that coming out of this, you know. So I got closer to my dad, even though I knew he was going to go. And the same thing during that whole process. My mom started uh, her dementia and Alzheimer's, which we had no idea she had, just exploded out of nowhere. And she just went downhill fast during this whole process of my dad going. So I was losing mom at the same time as my dad. So, uh, you know, <laughs> and then my sister, she, she, she called and said she had a brain tumor and had a month to live during all this. Now, she wasn't close to us, but she's still blood, and I've, I've also moved on and forgiven her and hope she's, you know, at peace with mom and dad as well. So all these things, spirituality, uh, my, my, my thought of, you know, the, something bigger out there, whether God, whatever you want to call it, I, I really became more spiritual during this whole uh, situation with my mom and dad and and part of it and, and I wouldn't have been able to be like this if I was not sober there's no way there's no way so thank goodness that happened and I was able to do my uh, responsibilities to my mom and dad and make sure they were safe and comfortable and, and I knew they were and I feel it too I know they're still with me so all these things have come uh, big time into my my life now as far as spirituality and meditation and and you know, there's more out there than what we what we really know. Uh, we really know nothing. So uh, these are the things, the big things that have jumped up out of me during this whole horrible experience. <laughs> the timing of everything, getting sober, the pandemic starting, your dad getting sick, your mom getting sick, uh, your sister getting sick, all all in a row. It, it, it's it's a lot. To take, I imagine, for one person, at what point did you start to get 
a little more spiritual, a little more meditation. Were you still working on the golf course, or, or was it after you'd, you'd stopped earlier this year? No. Uh, I was working on the golf course. Once my dad, uh, when my dad, uh, you know, when I knew he was going to, it wasn't looking good. It wasn't good. So uh, that's when I started just looking for ways to calm my mind down. I mean, uh, my mind is a disaster. So it's always racing. It's always catastrophizing. It's when you make the worst case scenario out of any situation. The worst. You know, it's like making the worst horror movie out of a situation that probably will never happen. That's my brain. Okay? So... I deal with that constantly. So when I what I tried to do is I just you know go on uh, social media and I and I bumped into a few uh, sites that I found interesting. One was meditation. I've always been trying it, but it was just so I really got into that, uh, and it's helped me immensely. And uh, I like doing it. I do it two or three times a day now. I don't know if it's I'm just trying to sit still and shut up. That's what I'm trying to do. You know, call it whatever you want. Call it meditation. Call it I just I just call it sit down, Mike and chill for a minute and just breathe and that's what i do and it helps me a lot it calms me right freaking down right away i love it so yeah. I, I do that constantly constantly meditation uh, reading self-help and uh, all that stuff really helps me just to calm my brain because it it, it races constantly and yeah i'm by myself i'm always by i've been alone forever I, i'm a single guy i you know i go to the gym alone i train alone i eat alone i go to bed alone I, i'm always by myself so this has been really difficult because now i can't even call mom and dad you know so it's it's uh, it gets lonelier for sure so the that part of the uh, the, the mental part is is critical for me and i highly recommend it for any for anyone to Call it whatever you want. You know, people think you just—it's—you it's, have to be some uh, guru or no. It's just sit down and shut up and and don't move, and that's hard for a lot of people. And if you can master that, it, it changes. It, it will change your life. For someone whose brain races as much as it sounds like yours does, how long did it take before you could actually calm your brain? Was that a process, or was that kind of a? Well, a snap of the fingers too. I, I was I, well. That was a battle. I mean, I was fighting and I was getting upset at myself because I couldn't. I couldn't focus. You know, my mind would. I'd close my eyes and 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 it would just wander off into la la land and I couldn't do it. And I'd get frustrated. I said, I gotta. I gotta try this. I gotta. I gotta keep going. And I kept going. And then I started. You know, just slowly. Even if it was for a minute, uh, I got into that quiet place. It, it really calmed me, so I could come out of that and just refocus and. And get going. So no, I did a lot of that uh, prior to uh, retirement and prior to my dad and all that. But it, it really ramped up once Dad got sick, and I just continue it today. You know, I I, I do it every day. I mean, I, I woke up this morning and, and I did it just for six, seven minutes. You know, that's you know, I could sit there for hours, you know, a couple minutes, five minutes, two minutes, ten minutes, whatever works for you. You know, we're all different. A lot of your approach, when, when you just said two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, um, it seems like you have a good regimen, but you're not, out, outside of drinking, you're really not uh, tied hard to any really stringent rules. I know you said earlier, you know, if you want a pizza, you'll get a pizza because you eat pretty clean <laughs> the rest of the time. You know, yeah. if you meditate for two yeah. minutes, it's great. Five minutes, great. Ten minutes, whatever. Um, I imagine that helps. You know, having rules having guidelines but it's not the end of the world if you if you break one of them again outside of alcohol that, that's that, that's very key you, you can't you know because uh 
you know, they want to find a new adventure. Drinking was an adventure. That was a lot of fun with it. Oh, at the beginning, it was tons of fun, but then it just became dark. So you got to replace it. The key with addicts, and this is just me speaking, I'm no expert, but this is just me. What you, you, you know, a lot of things I notice with people that deal with alcoholism or trying to stop or trying to, you know, if, if you try to fight being sober, you're probably going to drink again, you know, or, or crack at some point. So you got to replace that that rush of drinking or whatever it is, the drug of your choice, with something else extreme. For me, it was working out and training. You know, it could be knitting. It could be going for a walk. It could be go, go car race, a hobby. But you have to replace it with something uh, not extreme, but a, a nice a new adventure instead of that, you know. So instead of going to the bars at night, which I did every day, uh, I go to the gym now. That's my fun. So that's that's for me a key to 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 uh, to the new lifestyle. It's find something that you like a lot, really a lot, almost addictive, and go for it. Otherwise, you, I, I would battle it. And if I couldn't go to the gym every day or work out, uh, it would it would just bother me. And that's why I went and got a part time job too, because I'm sitting around my house too much. You know, <laughs> I'm going to clean my hours a day. I'm a guy. I don't want to do that. I love that you, right after saying, you know, you find your new addiction, it's it's working out, then you say knitting. I'd like to believe that in some alternate universe, there's there's another version of you who has retired and uh, and stopped drinking, and, and you've become like a champion knitter, like the best knitter in, in yeah, Canada. Yeah, well, if you believe in, you believe in quantum physics, <laughs> I, you know, I into that too, so that's quite interesting as well, so why not? I mean, we just don't know what what's out there, right? We don't. We don't know anything. That's that's how I feel. So I, I just try to be humble and do a good job and be nice to people and help people, which is a problem for me because I like to help people a lot, and that type tends to get me in trouble sometimes because I'm just I just you know try to help, and sometimes you just people take advantage of you, you know. And that's always been how we are. My parents were very helpful, always did volunteer work and help people, and you know they always got taken advantage of too. But that's just how we are, and I, I, I'm still like that, and I still get taken advantage of. But you just learn to be a little bit more careful on uh, my circle of people, which is getting smaller every day. <laughs> I, think. I like being alone, but I miss I miss being around people. So, well, and again, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the the new job at Beaconsfield, great club in Quebec. Uh, that'll that'll help being around people, but. Your your new drug, and if if people follow you on Twitter or Instagram, again your your Twitter is at anthracnose. You started working out. It was pretty immediate after you stopped drinking, right? There wasn't much of a, a transition period uh, between uh, the there two. There was a tra- yeah. Was there? There was a trans. Yeah, there was actually. Uh, okay. I'm glad you're bringing that. I, I just I was looking the other day because I take lots of pictures, and because I have to send them all into my trainer, I check in every week, so I have to take lots of progress pics uh, to see where I'm at and make sure I'm accountable on my on my check-ins. But uh, no, I when I stopped, I think I was I stopped I stopped in April. Okay, so that was this beginning of the golf season, and it wasn't until uh, November December I started training that year. So it was a good uh, eight, seven, eight months, and all I was doing was coming home and going to meetings and eating lots of sugar and candies and chocolates because we're addicts. We we have to replace them with something. So for me, it's sugar, big problem, still is today. I love sugar, but it doesn't help with your making improvements when you're 
when you're binging on sugar. So, uh, but <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so I started. Yeah, I just went to the gym I, and I was ready at that point, and uh, I haven't really stopped since. Even during all this crisis with mom and dad living two hours away, back and forth, running a golf course. Uh, I, I would literally put dumbbells, and, and that COVID was on, so all the gyms were closed. So I was like, how the heck am I going to work out? This is not good. I ended up buying all my equipment and benches and filled my, my living room to gym. You know, it's, it's a total bachelor pad here. <laughs> like, so I got dumbbells and, and incline, but no, the gyms are back open. But, you know, I, 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 I fought through it just bringing dumbbells to the to my parents house in ottawa just so i could get a workout in when i went to visit them i mean it was i i i really went extreme but i wanted to stay disciplined through it all and uh, that's the key it's it's motivation is one thing but if you're not disciplined forget it it's not going to happen and you can say that about anything in life right sure without discipline you're you're just you're just it's, you're just it's not gonna it's not gonna work or it's not gonna last long that's basically what i'm saying about anything you know that's, that was that, yeah, and I haven't stopped really. I mean, even during all the crisis and with dad and mom and my sister and work and retirement, I, I still managed to stay uh, on, on track with my training uh, to a degree, right? So I'm proud of that. And I mean, you're you're you you'd be in great shape for someone. You're almost sixty. You'd be in great shape for someone who's almost thirty. Like cut biceps. Your your waist is trim. I mean, seriously, you don't look like someone who's. You're fifty nine right now, right? Or are you still fifty eight? I'll be 59 next month. November. Oh, okay. Well, well, happy early birthday, a fellow November yeah. birthday. Um, for someone who's almost 59, it's it's pretty amazing. Well, I, I don't, I, I just, I don't really look at my age. I mean, I, you know, I was changing holes this morning out in the golf course set uh, with a young fellow there. He went, I don't know my way around too well, so, you know, he came with me, and we're just, you know, just talking away, and I said, you know, I'm fit, I'm going to be 59 next month, and I don't feel it. I, I look at other dads that are my age and i'm going man is that that guy's the same age as me i'm like okay and then not because i'm uh, thinking i'm any better it's just you know you got to take care of yourself man i mean i, I don't want to you know if i want to travel into my retirement and walk on the beach you got to be you got to be in some kind of a healthy to do that stuff right so i just i just like it i've always worked out even years ago i worked out back in my early days so the gym's never been different to me i just got off track with the partying and i used to train like a maniac back in my 20s i had a full full gym at my house when i was working at the ottawa hunt club uh, i had everything but then i just you just get off track and lose priorities and drinking became the priority and the party became the priority and all the other things that go along with it after midnight right <laughs> not good although if you're if you're in this industry and you're on the course by 5 30 or 6 midnight's even later than for most folks yeah yeah and some some days it'd be like you're coming from wherever and just heading right to the golf course. I had many of those days. So how do you hide that? That'd be pretty damn good. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's it's tough to talk about right now. Yeah. It is. I, I'm very first time I'm opening up about this, but it's time. I need this for me. You know, there was some days there. It's you know just coming from the party right to work, and you pull it off, and you and you and you do a, you pull it off, and you wonder, hmm, how much better could I really have been? You know, so that that's kind of, but it, it's the past, and we got through it and made it. So about seven months between the time you stopped drinking, the time you started working out, and yeah, you said candy, sugar. That was that was a big problem. I will say that's, 
I stopped drinking a few years ago, and I, I stopped drinking pop finally last year. I'm about a year plus in now. Candy is still hard. Like, <laughs> do you have? I any, love candy. Do you have any advice, oh, or do you I still eat it? Oh, I still eat it. Okay. I still eat it, but then you know, I could, I could, but I could eat like those big bags of M and M. Oh I yeah. Could eat two of those, just nonstop. <laughs> yeah. Everything's restricted, but I know you got to be careful with it because it's, it's the worst processed sugars, you know. For fitness and, and exercise and bodybuilding, that's not a very good mix, you know. But when I want to have my binge and I'll have my cravings, I'll just go and get get someone eat it, and it's fine. Like, I'm not going to punish myself for it either, right? You can't punish yourself for for that. Then you're just living in misery all the time, and that's no fun either. Then you you, you won't stay sober because you're just fighting it all the time, you know. What does your workout and nutrition regimen look like? Again, you you eat a little candy when you want it, you order a pizza when you want it, but it's not a lot. You're clearly spending a lot of time uh, in the gym. Yeah, I'm, I have my workout schedule, I have, I have a trainer. He's an online trainer. He's the number one trainer, uh, online trainer. He's out of the States. I'm not here to promote him. That's not what we're going to do. <laughs> uh, people on my site and find all that out. Um, but, you know, he's fantastic. It's simple. It's, uh, he's, he puts my, my food uh, my diet is all set up. It's up to me to eat eat that way or not to get the, the the gains. This guy trains hundreds of thousands of people, so he knows about nutrition and all that stuff a lot better than I do. So I just follow the, the, his uh, his uh, weekly uh, trainings. I've done six separate uh, programs with him, ranging from my first one was eight weeks when I first started, and uh, I did I've done three or four eight weekers. I've done a few twelve weekers, and now I'm into my second two-year program with him so i'm into just uh, week five i got to do my check-ins this week so each each week i have to do a check-in uh, where i take pictures of front you know uh, back and your your weight and uh and you send those pictures in so you, you have to be accountable because if you you ate like crap all week it's going to show in your pictures and he's going to look at you well, well what are you doing you know but it's up to uh, so that's that's what i do there so and i train six days a week uh, because uh, and I train one more usually it's one body part per per uh, per day with cardio and that so uh, it's mixed with a little bit of cardio as well and the gym is a place I love to be at it's 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 my comfort zone uh, I love to be in there and uh, when I go in there I don't mess around I'm out there to chit chat with people I I get my music I go in and I do my thing and I just nod my head to people and let's go uh, I don't I don't mess around in there. That's basically my, my training. Now that the gyms are, I imagine, pretty much open, uh, and they have been for a yeah. little while, at least in Canada, uh, I know a few, few gyms closed on you. Do you work out more in the gym now? Or are you at home, or is it a mix, or whatever works yeah, with your no. schedule? What, what, yeah, what happened is then, like I told you about my, 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 uh, my true bachelor pad with all my dumbbells and weights here in the there. <laughs> I can look at them right now when I'm talking to you. But... Uh, we had four gym closures during the COVID. Four times we, we were very strict here in, in Quebec with our laws and stuff. So we, we constantly would open, shut down. That happened four times. So once it happened the first time, I, I just jumped and started buying all this equipment at my house. So uh, right now we're, we're back to open, and hopefully that's the case. So I just go to the gym uh, every uh, every almost every day, and I'll take one day off a week. Uh, and if I feel really tired, I just take the day off anyway. But now that I'm starting a part-time uh, job I, I i can at least clean up my mornings and keep me get me up early uh get me into routine 
and then I can do my training in the afternoon, which I'm going to do after this phone call. Just get showered up and go train legs. It is leg day. Don't skip leg day. No, no, I don't. No, no, I do it twice. <laughs> twice for me. So, is there an end goal in terms of bodybuilding, in terms of competitions, or is it just it's a lifestyle uh, at this point? Oh, well, right now, I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm thinking of maybe doing a a, a little show, an amateur show here when I hit 60 in the physique level, which is not bodybuilding. It's more physique where. It's mainly on abs and upper body and uh, not much on the legs because you're wearing the, the, the long, uh, like, shorts, swim shorts, but they go down to your knees almost, right? So you're not seeing the quads or anything, uh, which, too bad because my quads are my strong point. But uh, I might, I might, but right now it's not about that. It's just I just want to get in the best shape possible at 60. That's all I want to do. I want to be the best shape I can be in and... And uh, that's my goal. Uh, I'm going to the Mr. Olympia Show uh, Bodybuilding Expo and Fitness Show in December. And going to the show, I want to look half decent as well. If I'm going to be around all these fitness people, I want to just I just want to look good anyways, feel good about it, and uh, learn some more stuff about fitness at the expo and possibly meet some interesting uh, pros as well uh, at the show. So I'm all booked for that. I just bought my plane ticket this week actually so i'm all set for the show uh in december 14th to the 20th i'll be in vegas so if anybody's listening to this and they're in vegas then come say hi <laughs> i'm at planet hollywood there's no shortage of great golf courses and, and great golf course superintendents around there so hopefully they get a little bit of time off they can come by and, and say hello absolutely you uh you squeezed in some travel after retiring from kanawaki you're starting to play a little yeah. bit more it sounds like you you've just started working part-time again at Beaconsfield uh, in Quebec. Uh, I believe it's in, is it in Point Claire? Yeah. What else is next? What else, what else can you squeeze into your, to your life at, at almost 59 here? Uh, well, the other thing I've, I've done now a lot of is I'm big time into my own investments. So I invest a lot uh, in the stock markets. I'm not a day trader, but I'm very, I've learned a lot. I've taken an online uh, master training course for, uh, for, uh, for investing uh, through a, through a, someone in the Vancouver, so Canadian Canadian people. So I, I do a lot of uh, investing now, uh, building my portfolios and stocks and dividends. I've always done well with that. Uh, one thing I could suggest to superintendents is when you're getting your contracts, you know, don't go for all the money all the time. Go for the, uh, the, the you know, I can't speak of the American terms, but the TFSAs and the RRSPs and those types of things for your future because uh, that's enabled to build something really, really massive for me at my age. And I, and I did it through just the RRSPs from my golf club each year at, at Kanawaki. So I just kept going heavier and heavier on those contributions that the club uh, would have no problem uh, agreeing to. And I just said, you know, uh, more RRSPs, less, less uh, increase in salaries. Cause I just pounded the investments away. So I like doing a lot of that. I enjoy it. I'm learning a lot. I go and uh, read about investing just so I can make uh, sound. I'm not, you know, uh, just to continue uh, living off my dividends. Like I, I, my dividends now, you know, I'm making more in dividends now than my than my salary, and I got paid very well as a superintendent. So it builds quick, you know. I'm just that's just my point. Uh, so and I and I continued on building on investments. Uh, I want to continue my training and continue to improve there. I've started up when my parents passed away, when my dad passed. I 
and my mom. I set up uh, some chari- uh, charities from in my parents' name. It's called the Helping Ray and L's Ray and L's Helping Hands uh, Foundation, and it's uh, it's a uh, foundation that I started right after my dad had passed, and it's uh, towards uh, three charities that I've selected so far that I'll add on, add on as my investments grow, and uh, and I can look at more ways to uh, help people. So one through Parkin, uh, Alzheimer's through my mom, another one's going to be through palliative care through a facility my, my my dad was taking care of incredibly that I'm going to go see next week with uh, a nice donation from my parents' uh, foundation. And I've also sponsored kids for their gym memberships and fitness. So kids that may have can't afford the gym or it's tight for them and they're serious about their trainings, I I help them out with uh, their gym sponsorships or, or fitness or nutrition and things like that, helping them pay for their trainers. And that's just through the, not through me, through the through the charity, through my mom and dad. Uh, you know, they invested well and uh, been able to put some of that money to good use as well so that's keeping me busy and i want to get more and more busy uh with with that type of stuff volunteering you know i, I like to volunteer at uh, golf tournaments I, I worked at the hunt club uh i did a 10 10 day stint there with my buddy that's my fourth event with him it's one of my my first places i started working at in the in the business was the ottawa hunt golf club so i helped out there you know, they got a big, I've already reached out to the superintendent. The President's Cup is coming to uh, the Royal Montreal in 2024. I've already reached out to, to him to see if he's looking for help that, that season. So I'm just trying to plan ahead, uh, sometimes uh, a little far ahead, but that's okay. That's okay. So I'm doing a lot of that. That's, that's kind of keeping me busy, and, and who knows what else. I'm getting a few other phone calls from a, a few other people uh, for next year for some possible things, and I'm open to at least sitting down. But, you know, being a superintendent, and, and, and no, those that's over. I've done it. It was great. It, 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 it was wonderful for me, and it's just time to do something new now. And, and you know, losing mom, dad, and everybody maybe just changed my perspective on my what, how much time do I really have left. And uh, that sort of not scared me a bit, but waked me up a bit that, hey, maybe there's more to do than just what I was doing. And is there a website or any other contact information for your mom and dad's foundation? Uh, that is a private foundation, okay. so it's a giving foundation. So I do not accept, uh, I will not be accepting anything like that. Uh, all I'd say on that is if uh, you have a particular charity of your that you like, you know, maybe if it, it you know, just contribute to it. Your, put five bucks in, whatever you have, whatever you can afford, because it, it does feel good to help out and and trust me, we're all going to be sick one day and be battling. So you, you help help people out now while you can, because you're going to be asking for help one day. Well, and it sounds like you picked three things that are obviously very important to you, uh, and that's that's really that's the long and the short of it when it comes to philanthropic giving. Just pick something meaningful and and stick with it. That's it, and you know you know when there's no U-Haul behind the hearse, right? When you're gone, so right. it's, it's not you're not taking it with you. So share it. And, and, and do whatever you have to do to, to help and help out people. Just be nice to people. You know, just that's all you have to do. Just say hi to someone. Everybody's battling something. Oh, we're all battling something in life. Just try to help people get through their tough times. You know. Mike, before I let you go to have a what I hope is a great leg day workout. Anything else that we didn't talk about? Anything else that you want to bring up? Mention uh, before we before we get going. 
I just wrap it up saying, look, if you're if you're battling and you're you, you know whether you think you're not whatever, if you think you're battling, uh, and if you're thinking that, then it's probably the case, you know. Uh, and, and if you're really in a dark place, don't be alone right now. There is someone there that's going to help you. There is somebody in your life that will that needs to have you call them right now and say, I need help. And and once you say that, the weight will come off your shoulders and then you're on your way. Hey, it's not an easy journey, but the, the, the alternative is, a, is do you want to stay in the dark hole? No. So in order to climb out of that hole, the, there's always a little bit of light at the end. And as long as you can see that, 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 that light, no matter how faint it is, each day you take that step, that light will get a little brighter. And it will. So, uh, and if we do reach out to that one person today or next month or tomorrow or whatever, uh, maybe you'll be the next one doing the interview and you can, and you can share it as well and help someone else. And, and, and then you can be part of this, uh, you know, this sober team. <laughs> yeah. In a way, just helping people get out because it's, it's, it's getting worse. It's, it's been tough. And it's, it seems to be getting worse out there right now. So. That's where I leave it at. Michael Cavalier, retired golf course superintendent at Kahnawake Golf Club outside Montreal. Seems to be doing incredibly well in retirement. Great to finally talk with you and uh, and hear your story. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you very much, and we'll see you all soon. My thanks again to Michael Cavalier for going off the course. My thanks to AquaAid Solutions for sponsoring off the course. And my thanks to all of you for listening to all the podcasts here on the Superintendent Radio Network. There's Beyond the Page, Greens with Envy, Off the Course, and Tartan Talks, they all drop on Tuesdays. Real Turf Text with Trent Manning drops on the third Wednesday of the month. And Wonderful Women of Golf with Rick Wolfel drops on the first Thursday of the month. Our October issue will be online soon, and it includes five stories about renovation and restoration and refreshing your course. A cover story about, is this right? Weddings? Yeah, about weddings. And lots more. You can check out all that and more at www.golfcourseindustry/magazine, And you can read more industry news and notes in our fast and firm email newsletter that's delivered every Tuesday to your inbox. You can sign up online at our homepage, www.golfcourseindustry.com. Golf Course Industry is produced by Guy Cipriano and me, Matt Lowell. Our columnists are the best, Terry Buchan, Henry DeLozier, Bradley S. Klein, Tim Morrigan, and Matthew Wharton. We have a crew of fantastic regular contributors, too. Tyler Bloom, Trent Bouts, Lee Carr, Ron Furlong, Cassidy Gladio, Trent Manning, Judd Spicer, John Torsiello, Anthony Williams, and Rick Wolfel. Our publisher is Dave Zai, Russ Warner, and Jimmy Clark handle sales. Jim Blaney designs the magazine, Caitlin Sellers, Make sure everything goes where it should. Christina Warner, make sure you all receive the magazine. Kelly Antle, make sure we all get paid. Amanda Cafardi handles so much on the back end. Irene Sweeney does more than we can ever keep straight. Ryan Jacobs, Cody Minnick, Tom Bauman, Brock Andorada, and Patrick Briand are our IT team. Our president is Chris Foster. Above all else, we could not do what we do without every one of you. Thank you so much for listening.